Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Alongside Blair and Gulo, I'm Emily Proud, and we have a great show on tap for you as we bring together the best and brightest in recruiting and make sure you're up to date on all the major headlines across the country. And Blair, we really mean that today. This weekend could be program-defining for a number of schools, about two months to go until the early signing period, and things are getting very, very interesting. Can't wait to get into some of those things. We start with what's trending in the recruiting world. Then Blair hosts a roundtable discussion on the two future members of the Big Ten. And then we'll finish off with an in-depth look at a big weekend for the Big Orange. Let's hit the headlines to kick it off. And Blair, Arch Manning remains at the top in the latest 2023 Top 24-7 rankings update. As expected, right? Yes, he has had a phenomenal senior season. Four of the top five players in the top 24-7 update are quarterbacks. So there is some jostling there going on between those signal callers, but Arch Manning holds on to that number one spot. Meanwhile, Matt Rule is now a coaching free agent. And with all the power five openings, if someone gets him, what does Rule bring to a program as a recruiter? You know, he's been away from the college game for about three years and the landscape and college football as a whole has changed tr dramatically. But now he brings NFL experience. He might not have had success in Carolina, but he does have that NFL experience in his back pocket. So that's going to be big for him. Four-star 2023 running back Roderick Robinson making headlines this week when he flipped from UCLA to Georgia. How does he fit with those dogs? He fits tremendously well, a big physical back with some deceptive speed. He's tailor-made for the SEC, a really interesting recruiting switch there from one undefeated program to another. He commits to another school from across the country. UCLA outside the top 90 nationally, which is a bit surprising, but Georgia is getting a, a hell of a running back. All right, we need to dig just a little deeper with these topics. So let's bring in our national recruiting analyst, Chris Singletary. Chris, let's start here. 
Robinson shocked us all with his coastal flip. Now that he's a bulldog, what does he bring to that class and that program? I think he brings a downhill thumper, but also has vision. When you watch him, he's a big man at six foot one, 235 pounds that can have the ability. He's light on his feet. So he does an excellent job with vision and his ability to jump cut. The other thing is people don't know he's originally from South Carolina. So I don't think the move to Georgia is that big of a deal in terms of him going back to his roots in terms of the southeast. And then you look at the year he's having. I mean, he's over uh, 1,600 yards rushing. He's averaged close to 200 yards a game. 24 touchdowns. And I think in, 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 the, in the SEC, when you have the ability to have a guy that can hit the home run, but he's a pounder and things of that nature. And Georgia has made a living off that. You look at uh, Branson Robinson, who's there as a freshman now. You look at Nick Chubb. And so he's another cog in the wheel and he plays to the strengths. They're going to play excellent defense. They want to run the ball and they want attrition to set in. With a guy like Robinson, he can have attrition set in in that fourth quarter. He's a 20 to 25 uh, carry guy. And he definitely fits down there in Athens. Chris, during our weekly rankings calls, we heard the name Jerome Bettis thrown around. What is his overall NFL profile? It's so funny you said that as they were showing the clips. In my mind, being from Detroit, growing up, uh, knowing who Jerome Bettis is, I kept saying the wheels of the bus go round and round. <laughs> and he's that kind of guy. He's like a bigger version, maybe not as fast as Chubb. Um, but when you look at him at six foot one again, 235 pounds, and then you really see his structure and how he's built, he doesn't have any bad weight, a thick lower body. But the thing that's unique, when you look at his build from the knee down, he has a uh, small, ca uh, nice calf structure, small ankles. So you see the athleticism. So I think when you really look at him, uh, a bigger version of Javante Williams in, in, in uh, the place for the Broncos, uh, Melvin Gordon type, those kind of backs. And uh, I'm really excited to see if he can add the, the nuance of being able to be a receiver to his skill set while he's in Athens, because that's only going to make him that much more of a dangerous player in the run game. Ooh, some high praise there. Let's go from player to coach. Matt Rule is now available to coach wherever he wants, if he wants. Either way, the Panthers are still giving him $40 million. So, Chris, the turnarounds <laughs> that he produced at Temple and Baylor are a big reason that he's a top target for major coaching vacancies. But how does Rule elevate a program's recruiting profile? I think a uh, few things. I think when you look at the NFL pedigree, whether it worked out or not, he's going to be able to sell that to prospects and their families about, hey, I was there. I know what it looks like. He might even be as honest to say, hey, you know what? I know some things that I would do differently with personnel there. Hey, and this is why you would fit. I think also when you look at his time at Baylor and, and, and also Temple, you're finding a, a difference in terms of two parts of the country. And so in football, we always say defense travels. But for him to be able to recruit the Northeast and then also be able to recruit down in Texas, he shows that his ability to recruit uh, across the collegiate landscape translates. So his recruiting translates. He has the NFL pedigree and he took Temple from a two win team to a, a double digit team. And then he also did the same thing at Baylor, taking them from a one win team to a double digit team. So I think you couple those successes in college, along with the ability to uh, to bring in that NFL uh, pedigree. I think you have a, a situation where now he's going to be a viable candidate at a lot of different places and also be able to talk about not only the ability to recruit, but also the ability to develop the player from a talent perspective. Chris, you know me and you know I love to speculate. Nebraska <laughs> is one of those schools that's being thrown out for Matt Rule. Now, how much of a splash would this qualify as if Nebraska were to hire Matt Rule? Would you consider that a home run hire? 
I think it would from the standpoint of really what are you looking at? You know, when you I've been fortunate enough, we played at Nebraska when I was uh, working at Michigan. And so you and then obviously the history of it. Football is a big deal in that state. They will do anything from a standpoint of facilities. Obviously, they're going to probably have really good NIL structure, um, tremendous strength and conditioning program. And football is the main thing throughout that that part of the country. And so when you get a guy like Matt Rule, who's been able, again, his his ability to recruit and develop has translated at Temple and also at Baylor. Now you say, OK, you don't have to come in. We got great facilities. We just need you to, one, be able to recruit the talent and really have that talent produce on the field. And I think when you see a guy that has been also uh, been able to go coast to coast from a recruiting standpoint and a player development, you talk about the guys that he put in the NFL uh, from his time at Temple and then also the guys that he recruited that are now uh, doing the same thing from Baylor. I think it's a huge win. And, uh, and it, Obviously, him getting $40 million from the Panthers, now you have a little bit probably an offset language where he might not cost uh, the fans and the faithful in Lincoln as much as he would if he was truly free agent and coming off a, a, a deal where, you know, that didn't have any offset language from his time uh, being in the NFL. So I think, too, you might also be able to get him from a bargain. Yeah, I don't think money is going to be an issue for his decision. It's interesting to see where he lands. Guys, since the last time the top 24-7 rankings had Arch Manning at the top, all he did was go and break his uncle's high school records at Isidore Newman. He topped Eli's passing record and Peyton's touchdown record at the end of September. That's one level. Power 5 college football is a whole other beast. Quinn Ewers is balling, but if Arch needs to step in year one from what you've seen on tape, Chris, what can we expect? I think with, where, where you look at Arch, you look at his skill set, is his ability to understand the game um, from a cerebral standpoint. And then his physical abilities. You're looking at his size, his stature. He definitely has arm talent. I really love now uh, going into his senior year. He's doing a really, really good job of anticipating uh, with regards to his throws and throwing guys open and then excellent ball placement. And so I think, you know, a quarterback can't throw it to themselves. They can't block for themselves. And I think when he's surrounded by uh, the cast that he would be surrounded by in, down there in Austin, it's only going to be able to show really how talented he is because now he's going to be able to really be able to have time to dissect defenses, to be able to uh, get his team in the correct place. So I think he's an excellent fit. And I think if he had to play as a true freshman, I think he would uh, he would definitely be able to, to, to step on the field and account for himself very well at a high level. Chris, obviously there are a number of other quarterbacks there trying to chase him down for that number one spot. Oregon commit Dante Moore, Tennessee commit Nico Iamaliava, USC commit Malachi Nelson, all in the top five. With Arch Manning specifically, is there something that sets him apart aside from that cerebral part of his game? I think where he doesn't get enough credit is he's a better athlete than people think. And I think also when you really look at how big he is, I mean, he's a big guy that has really good movement. He's definitely an above average athlete. And then I think he has arm talent. So I think when you couple all that into into a capsule, I look at it like this. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be as much scrutiny if his name was not Manny. He's just getting the same scrutiny. But I think from a talent perspective, uh, also, he still has growth potential left in his game. And I think that's a lot of uh, a big part of what people don't really uh, think about, look at when they're evaluating him. He's not a finished product. Uh, none of these quarterbacks are. So I, I still see a ton of growth in just overall understanding of football, playing it uh, at the next level that will be able to enable him to continue to, uh, to tap into that potential. 
I cannot wait to watch him play college football. Chris, thank you so much for all that great information. But Blair, I have to ask you this. We are two and a half months out from early signing day. Manning is solidified in that top spot, but how solid is he in his commitment to Texas? I think he's really solid and he's not a player that that's out there using social media or out in the, in the spotlight in a way like maybe some other recruits in the modern day college football world. He has been recruiting for Texas. He's been trying to get guys to join him there in Austin. But I've been hearing that there are some schools still making a push. You look at Georgia, you look at Alabama, two schools that missed out on him initially and Penn has not met paper yet, Emily, and, and I would expect those schools to continue making a strong push for the number one player in this 2023 class. It ain't over till it's over. <laughs> Love it, Blair. Thank you. Meanwhile, it has been a divine year for football in the City of Angels, and coming off a Rams Super Bowl win, fans of USC and UCLA haven't witnessed a single loss this year. Both of those squads stand at 6-0, and as we've seen time and time again, success on the field can trickle down into recruiting. Blair takes us through a roundtable discussion to see just how quickly LA's finest is seeing those returns. Joining us now are national analysts Greg Biggins and Brandon Huffman, and we are here to discuss a recruiting roundtable on USC and UCLA. They are both off to undefeated starts, 6-0, and as they begin their process of moving over to the Big Ten. And Greg, I'll start with you. We've always looked at the two schools and their ability to keep prospects from the West Coast closer to home. That's not something they've been able to do in recent cycles. Are they now compelled to stay closer to the West Coast with UCLA and USC off to some hot starts? Honestly, I think it might still be a little early to decide on that, you know, or which is a couple months into the season. But I think it definitely is going to help, right? I think if you talk to kids in the last few years and ask them why they were leaving home, uh, the answers were always, you know, usually three things. It was development. I think I can go somewhere else and be developed better. It was playing on a, on a big stage in front of packed houses and stadiums and also potentially playing a college football playoff. And then to get drafted. And so I think you're still seeing the NFL draft. You know, unfortunately, uh, the Pac-12 has not been producing like other conferences have. So I think this year definitely will help. But I think it would be nice if maybe, you know, USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, Cal, the schools, and maybe put, you know, back to back to back, not just a little one-year deal, right? Maybe put three or four seasons back to back. And then that I think that will get these kids a little more excited about the possibility of staying home. And I think when you look at USC, obviously Lincoln Riley's had a history of developing players from his time at Oklahoma, consecutive number one draft picks, uh, three guys that were starting this last weekend in the NFL that he coached at Oklahoma. So it's almost like the return to development is coming back to USC. Now, granted, many of those players are guys that USC didn't recruit initially out of high school. They're guys that they got in the transfer portal, but that was more for the quick fix help in 2022 long-term. And you can see with Malachi Nelson and Makai Lemon and, and Zachariah Branch all committing to USC, there's going to be that return to getting those players to stay locally. And at least it's been a point of emphasis for USC. But interestingly enough, UCLA, we talk about, you know, UCLA 6-0 start. They lost the crown jewel of their class since they started 6-0. They happen to lose them to a team clear on the other side of the country, but a school that's been having some success in the state of California in recent years, and especially out west, not just California. Uh, but that that hurts UCLA. You think they have some momentum. They're building some positive buzz. 
and they lose their best player. They just happen to lose them to the defending national champion. So UCLA's recruiting approach is vastly different than USC's. Chip Kelly's approach, vastly different than Lincoln Riley's in terms of, you know, Chip will use the portal every year. Lincoln might have only used it for this year, but it's going to be interesting to see long-term. Can UCLA sustain the success this season? And can that net them and maybe a few extra signatures come December or February and really see them benefit in the 24 and 25 classes? And on the flip side, USC, they wanted to take back the West. Remember that hashtag on social media when the the new regime took over, when Lincoln Riley took over and, and they they built this recruiting staff, right, that's is trying to bring back prospects to Los Angeles. Those are two different recruiting approaches, I, I feel like. I feel like UCLA is a bit more deliberate and USC is, is going to attack and, and really hit the, the road hard. Yeah, and I think when you look at the deliberate approach for UCLA, it has worked. At least in year five, it's showing that it's worked. If you look at, you know, with the exception of their star quarterback, who, interestingly enough, committed to the Arizona head coach when he was the offensive coordinator at UCLA, and the UConn head coach was the head coach at UCLA. If you look at that UCLA roster and the guys that are making the biggest impact at the skill positions and defensively, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is the only high school recruit they have. Zach Charbonnet is a transfer. Jake Bobo is a transfer. Darius Moussao is a transfer. Laitu Latu is a transfer, and so forth and so forth. So you look at UCLA finding that success in the transfer portal, and you can imagine that if they're going to keep having that success, they're going to keep going back to the portal. So that's the kind of result that makes their strategy that they've had of going to the portal that much more evident to them that maybe that's the route to continue to go on. You know, I, I, I would agree on, on most of that. You know, I, I think – for sure, obviously, Lincoln Riley, if I was to put a percentage, I bet he would probably want to go, you know, if you have a 25-man class, you know, probably 20 high school, maybe five portal, like you mentioned before, you know, go heavy portal his first year, maybe even a second year, right? You got a lot of spots open. I think Lincoln wants his own guys, and he wants maybe, I don't want to use the word weed out. I kind of just did, I guess. But, you know, he wants his own guys, and, you know, he wants to win and win right now. And so I think he kind of came in and said, you know what, uh, we need some bodies. We need some big guys up front. We need some better skilled players. But I think ideally Lincoln probably wants to get 20 and of those high school guys, I think he would love for them to be 24 and five stars. Like he's going after, you know, I guess I would call it, you know, big game hunting. You know, he doesn't care if they're from California, Texas, Florida, uh, wherever he's going after the best of the best from all over the country. And then maybe mix in some portal guys. I, I honestly, I believe chip would probably rather do, you know, maybe a reverse that maybe that's a slight exaggeration, but maybe five high school and 20 portal. And, you know, to, to what Huff said, you know, He's winning right now. And I, I've always said, I don't know if Chip's approach is sustainable. I still feel like maybe I'm just an old school guy. And um, I still feel like, you know, there's value in bringing in a big high school class so you can develop those guys. We always talk about Chip. And, and one of the things he does best is develop, right? That nutrition program, um, that strength program, which is advanced. Wouldn't you want, you know, those guys to be in your system, you know, for four or five years rather than just keep using the portal, you know, every year to kind of, you know, bring in new talent? Um, at least maybe that, that's what I've always thought, but again, um, they're winning this year. They're, they're six and zero, and maybe chip saying, Hey, you know, this is my approach and it's paying off and, and we'll see. So part of me still wonders, is this sustainable? Is this kind of a, a one-year wonder what's going to happen? We don't have, you know, a Heisman candidate at quarterback and running back, which next year they won't. Um, are they still going to be winning games like they are right now? Like you guys said, man, diff radically different approaches, but right now, obviously kind of similar results. 
Well, yeah, just, really interesting approach, right? When he talks about watering the bamboo and, and believing in the process, uh, but then not really carrying that over into recruiting specifically, right? He's going after specific players in the transfer portal, Huff. Well, what's interesting too is, you know, obviously the transfer portal didn't exist when he was at Oregon, but people forget in consecutive years, Chip Kelly got the number one player on the West Coast at Oregon. Both of those guys were committed to USC at that time. Now, granted, USC was starting its little spiral after the Pete Carroll years. They were going on probation. But in consecutive years, he got top five players nationally in DeAnthony Thomas and then Eric Armstead. So we've seen that he's had success. Now, granted, those are guys that had great relationships with those guys, whether it was Don Pellin recruiting, you know, DeAnthony Thomas, even Jerry Azanaro, his former DC at UCLA, recruiting Eric Armstead. But We've seen it in the past, so we know that the juice is there if he wants to utilize it. Can Lincoln Riley do that in the Pac-12 before they get to the Big Ten? Can he do that when he gets to the Big Ten, when you've already got programs like Ohio State and Michigan that have been in the playoffs the last two seasons? Uh, one of those two is going to probably end up in the playoff this year. You know, Can they have that success? I think they're much better positioned with Lincoln Riley as their head coach and the move to the Big Ten than they were three years ago when they seemed to be stuck in neutral, if not reverse, under Clay Helton in a Pac-12 that was probably as flagging as it has ever been. Yeah, and I would, I would piggyback and, and say I do think USC is built. I, I think USC is going to be a national brand with Lincoln Riley if they're in the Pac-10, Pac-12, whatever it's called, the Big Ten, uh, shoot, the Mountain West Conference. I mean, he was able to recruit nationally. Uh, getting kids to Norman, Oklahoma. Obviously, Oklahoma is a national brand as well, great tradition. But, you know, Southern California, L.A., USC, uh, no reason why he can't continue to recruit nationally. Uh, as for UCLA, I, you know, I'm curious, again, uh, you know, the approach to where they're recruiting right now, um, joining the Big Ten, will we see them offering maybe more Midwest kids because those kids are now going to be able to stay close to home and play half of their games? It would make a little bit of a set, you know, a little sense, but obviously now they're going to have to recruit against schools like Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, which that's never easy. So now you're going to have to maybe go again after that that second tier kid, which in UCLA's eyes they might like that second tier kid better because again it's about managing resources. About hey, we're going to develop that guy and he'll be better than that guy because of our strength program, our nutrition program, and just the way we do things over here. So too curious, uh, very curious to see how this plays out in a couple of years. Um, radically different approaches, but uh, you know I'm I'm here for it. Lincoln Riley and Chip Kelly, a combined 12-0 to begin the 2022 season, appearing to be on a collision course there next month at the Rolls Bowl and obviously carrying different paths in their recruiting success. Thanks for joining us, guys. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Well, blue chip prospects are on campuses coast to coast, but it's hard to top the talent on Rocky Top this weekend. The third Saturday in October is officially in uncharted territory. It's the first matchup where both teams are ranked in the top six of the AP poll. But while fans are focused on the field, we're keeping an eye on what's happening off of it. So let's welcome in Ryan Callahan of Go Vols 24-7. Ryan, as we know, the stars will be out in full force for this one, including four-star edge Samuel Mpemba. UGA leads it right now in the crystal ball. But Ryan, why should we not count out Tennessee quite yet? Getting an official visit from him is a big step, and Tennessee got him on campus this summer on an unofficial visit. He, was, he spent multiple days in Knoxville. Before that, Tennessee wasn't really thought to be a contender. That visit, I think, at least put them on his radar a little bit more. But this visit, I think, gives Tennessee a chance to, to maybe become more of a factor. They've been kind of lingering in the background a little bit, but hanging around in his recruitment. And they've become more of a factor, I think, throughout the fall. Georgia, again, as you said, has been widely seen as the team to beat for him. But uh, this, this visit, if it goes well, um, he's obviously going to be impressed by the environment, I think, in te at Tennessee this weekend. If that goes well, though, there's maybe a chance for Tennessee to, to at least challenge Georgia going into the final months of that recruitment. I think Tennessee made a good impression back in the summer. Now they've got to build on that this weekend and really take advantage of this official visit. Ryan, I think we we wondered about Josh Heupel and his ability to recruit at a different level and to engage in different battles once he arrived from UCF. How have you seen him and that staff attack the recruiting trail and, and battling the likes of Georgia and Alabama and LSU and some of these schools that maybe he wasn't used to recruiting against? Well, I, I think he's been a little bit more maybe relentless is the right word uh, in recruiting than people maybe expected. I think I think the reputation he had as a recruiter from his time at UCF maybe just was based a little more on the program he was at as opposed to the reality of what he was doing. Uh, and I think he's really owned and embraced that side of things much more than people maybe expected him to. So I think he personally has taken on a pretty big role in recruiting for Tennessee, much like we saw uh, from Butch Jones and other head coaches who've been successful in recruiting at Tennessee in the past. So he, he's definitely been uh, actively involved and in some cases recruits some of the, the top targets Tennessee is after as much as, as any position coach uh, that, that's involved with them. So he does a good job of that himself. I think he also does a good job of just selling what Tennessee has to, to offer and their system. Uh, and, and he's there's a certain type of player that I think they they really connect well with um, players that. Are, are all about football and, and fit into their culture well. They seem to connect well with a lot of players and, and they come off as very real and genuine. I think there's a down-to-earth quality about him personality-wise too that, that connects with a lot of players. Not 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 every player probably made for, for this staff, but, but most players I think really appreciate this staff when they get around them and spend a lot of time with them. So I think all that sold pretty well and, and it's kind of helped to speed up maybe Tennessee uh, being a more of a, a, a national force in recruiting, obviously having a top 10 class right now in 2023. Relentless and real. So far, that is a recipe for success on Rocky Top. Meanwhile, the number one player in North Carolina will be in volunteer country this weekend. So where does the Vols recruitment stand with four-star D lineman David Hobbs? 
Well, this is another one I think maybe a little bit more so than Samuel and Pimba. I think Tennessee has given itself a real shot uh, with David Hobbs over the past several weeks. Uh, they, they offered him a little bit later than some other teams in June, even though he'd already been on campus a handful of times at Tennessee. And I think he's always liked Tennessee quite a bit. Uh, at, at first was maybe just a little bit uh, put off that Tennessee didn't offer as soon as some other teams. Uh, but once he got past that, I think he, he really started to view Tennessee as a serious contender. And then the big thing was pushing back his commitment, which was originally planned for August 1st. It looked like he was headed to North Carolina if he had committed then. Now that he's pushed it back, it's become an all-SEC battle, essentially. I think most people view this as an Alabama-Georgia-Tennessee battle. I think a lot of people have kind of assumed Tennessee's maybe running third just because of where Alabama and Georgia are, are seen nationally. And in most cases, that's probably fair. In this case, though, I think Tennessee's got a real shot. Uh, they had him on an official visit last week, uh, last month for their game against Florida. And I think if this weekend goes well, uh, again, you know, we'll see how important the on-field results are. But Alabama and Tennessee, this is kind of a head-to-head -head battle between two of the teams he's looking at the most. So I think they've impressed him. He's been on campus five or six times already. Um, they've got a good relationship with him, and it's it's pretty close to home. Also, his sister's a big-time basketball prospect in the 2024 class. She likes Alabama, but I think she likes Tennessee, too. So multiple factors in this one that are working in Tennessee's favor to at least give them a shot. And I think they're more of a contender in this one going into this weekend than a lot of people have probably thought over the past few months. A little two-for-one special there. I'm sure the balls like that. Ryan, looking to the future a bit, uh, 2024 quarterback Jaden Davis will be in Neyland on Saturday. And right now, he is the number two quarterback in his class. But he just came off a visit to Georgia last weekend. So what can you tell us about his interest in Tennessee? Well, this is another guy where Tennessee has already had him on campus a few times in the past. So I think he's had pretty consistent interest in Tennessee for a while now. Um, he's taken a lot of visits. Uh, so, some quarterbacks are able to do that, but you know, some players in other positions too. But he's been so well known as a prospect for a couple of years now that he's already visited a bunch of places. Uh, but Tennessee is you know, one of probably a handful of schools that's had him on campus the most. Uh, so I think he's serious about Tennessee. Uh, I think that there's been a little bit of skepticism maybe about Tennessee's chances of landing him in part because he's in that class behind five-star quarterback commitment Nico Iamaliava. So can Tennessee land five-star quarterbacks in back-to-back -back classes? That's a challenge. Um, so if they can overcome that and, and sell him still on still having an opportunity uh, to come in at Tennessee and compete for early playing time, then I think there still could be an opportunity for Tennessee to, to, to at least be one of the top contenders in the end. It's just, you know, they've had him on campus. They've got the relationship. Uh, now they've got to convince him that uh, that Tennessee is the right fit. And, and obviously it's a challenge with Nico Iamaliava committed in the 2023 class. But if he keeps visiting, uh, uh, you know, follow the visits. It's always a possibility. Yeah, you mentioned him. A lot of not just Vols fans, but college football fans know his name. That's Nico Iamaliava. He is expected to be on campus this weekend. And although Nico is fully committed to Rocky Top, how much can the recruit help as a recruiter for the Vols? Yeah, I think that there's a lot to that with Nico. He he does have uh, sort of a presence about him. If you spend any time around him, he he's just sort of that that guy that people tend to gravitate toward in any any room he's in, any setting he's in. Uh, the, the way he carries himself, it's not a it's not a cockiness, but he does have a swagger to him. I think that um, that that players tend to tend to gravitate toward. And then he has that five star pedigree, so it's a big deal anytime he's on campus, even though he's been committed to Tennessee for. Uh, almost seven months now. And, and yeah, just coming back for the Florida game, you saw him talking with a lot of prospects there. I'm sure he'll be doing the same thing this weekend. Um, he embraces that recruiter role and he has from the start. And I think he's excited about the results that he's seen on the field this season, excited that he's part of a top 10 class at Tennessee. And and yeah, that's certainly something Tennessee's trying to take advantage of is getting around David Hobbs and some of those guys 
who are who are visiting Tennessee and trying to get Nico in their ear yeah. to, to try to convince them to join him. Will be a big weekend for the volunteers. Thank you so much, Ryan, for all this great insight. And be sure to check out Go Vols 24-7 for his work all season long and the whole team's coverage of a program-defining weekend for those volunteers. Blair, welcome back in. You know Nico very well as a SoCal guy. He has kind of that similar cachet as an Arch Manning and that people just want to follow him. But it's not just because he's such a special player. He is, but he's a full-blown star. How much does that matter to players when they're deciding whether or not they want to go to Tennessee? Yeah, I think it allows him to be a recruit recruiter, right? A player that others will be attracted to playing for and playing with and, and a leader. He has those qualities. He's a player that we have seen in that environment at seven on seven tournaments, at camps, even at his high school games. He has that moxie and, and that self-confidence that I think has allowed him to really take his game to another level, but also the confidence to be able to sell Tennessee, to sell the program as a, a team that's on the rise and, and say, hey, look, come play with me, come play with us. We're gonna do big things. And I think, you know, we're looking there at the, at the, at the uh, photo <laughs> of him on his visit to Tennessee earlier this, this year uh, in the G-Wagon, by the way. He doesn't have a shy bone in his body, right? This is a player who has the charisma, he has the arm talent, he has the confidence. And I think when you add all of that up, it creates a five-star on the field and a five-star recruiter as well. Yeah, we laugh about that picture, but that stuff really does matter to these kids when they're deciding where not can I just thrive, but where can I be a superstar? And so far, Nico is taking that and running with it. Blair, thank you so much for all of your great insight. And everybody, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube page. This is Blair Angulo. I'm Emily Proud, and this is Recruiting 24-7. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.